0: Welcome to Politics and Psychology. I am Dr. Renee Carr, a political and corporate advisor for all of those who are new to the podcast. And as a political and corporate advisor, I advise elected officials and high-profile CEOs on how to solve social issues and how to understand social issues through the lens of the science of psychology. And so today when we're talking about ritual abuse, we'll see not only how it affects individuals within our society, but also learn ways to use our voting to help protect victims. So many in America this week on October 31st, they celebrated Halloween. While some see this as a day just for wearing, you know, funny or sexy or cute costumes or going to a party or just for a kid getting lots of free candy, there are many others who use this day to engage in acts of ritual abuse, and they usually engage in even more extreme acts of ritual abuse on October 31st. And the reason why we see a huge jump in ritual abuse on Halloween is linked to the origins of Halloween. So starting back around 2,000 years ago in ancient Celtic religions, November 1st marked the last day of the fall harvest and it was the beginning of the quote unquote dark half of the year. And because the Celtics believed that November 1st was the beginning of the dark half of the year, then they also believed that the last day or the day before that was the last day of the light half of the year. And that on midnight on October 31st, the gates of heaven will be opened and that this was the last opportunity for any souls trapped in purgatory. To then have their bodies released um, from the graves and then going to heaven so the individuals in the celtic societies who were still alive well, obviously they would wear scary masks to protect themselves and to make themselves look as if they were dead persons or spirits so that the spirits who were wandering around being loose from the graves would not come into their homes and they also would not take them as someone who needed to be killed They wanted them to believe that they were already dead and they were just as scary as the other persons. Now, the act of wearing the scary mask is a tradition called guising, meaning false faces. And the modern word for this is disguising, which is the reason of why people are wearing masks on Halloween. And how this relates to ritual abuse is that the same October 31st is also used by satanic worshipers. To prevent those souls wandering around from going to heaven and to try to have them trapped and sent to hell instead of heaven and for the cults that worship satan halloween is considered a high holiday meaning that it's a very special or important holiday for them and it's a day to make sacrifices to satan this includes engaging in satanic rituals that are also part of the acts of ritual abuse for example. Several religions, if you're Christian and Catholic, will have communion. And during communion, they'll drink grape juice or wine. But for satanic communions, they drink blood instead. So on the October 31st day, when they have their high holiday sacrifices, to obtain the blood that they're drinking for their communions, they'll often engage in rituals to drain the blood from children or other innocent persons, or they'll kill and then drink the blood from an animal. And this is actually considered a basic form of ritual abuse, but they might have more extreme abuse, such as making a blood sacrifice or having a sacrificial murder. And although October 31st is the more extreme day of these rituals, if they're engaging in these rituals more extremely, then they still are continuing their other, less extreme acts of ritual abuse throughout the rest of the year. And sometimes what they'll do is they'll groom or psychologically program their victims so that their minds or bodies can be prepared for the ultimate sacrifice on October 31st. So this would mean, for example, that they may impregnate, the, the leader of the group may impregnate a young female virgin and plan her pregnancy so that the baby is born close enough to October 31st so the baby can then be killed or made as a sacrificial offering to Satan or to whomever demon that they're serving on that particular day. Um, In addition to that, they may require all children or adolescent virgins in the cult to sexually submit, which is actually just being raped, um, to the leader of the cult on that day. Now, unfortunately, there are many more victims of ritual abuse than you know. And you may not even recognize them unless you're actually providing psychological or trauma services for them. And the reason is that the majority of these victims are not believed because their stories seem way too unreal to believe. They're also often not believed because the groups of individuals who engage in this ritual abuse also are very, very protective of their rituals and they are sworn to secrecy either by their understanding or through acts of terror that the leader of the cult instills within them. But even more than that, often it's the individuals that are being accused that the victim is labeling or naming as the abuser. It's because they have such a, either a very high profile position or they're very respected in the community, or they just seem like a regular, nice, sweet person that you would never expect they would do these things. So because of all of these things, then it makes it easier to disregard the claims of the individuals who are saying that they are the victims of ritual abuse. So how does ritual abuse even happen? Well, let's start with the definition. The term ritual abuse is used to mean the repeated extreme and sadistic abuse of someone who is not volunteering for this. So that's different from... SNm sadiomasochism, where they are voluntarily agreeing to the abuse. This is um, these acts are for people who are not volunteering and ritual abuse is often inflicted upon children and in a group setting. And in that group, the group often has an ideology of some kind that they use to justify the abuse and the abusive rituals are then in turn used to reinforce that ideology. And the ritual abuse activities are kept secret from the larger parts of society, which is why not many hear about them, because the people know that their rituals will not be understood or accepted by the majority of the people who are not in their cult, and they will probably go to jail for it. And in order for it to be ritual abuse, you have to have these following four components. So one, there has to be a group and there's a hierarchy in the group. And that hierarchy usually ends at the top of the chain with a dominant male who is the leader or considered the spiritual authority. And number two, the group of people believe in the same thing. This is their ideology. And with these beliefs, then giving them the permission or the beliefs requiring them to abuse victims. Number three, there is at least one victim or a group of victims whom the group abuses, and they abuse them through extreme psychological and physical torture and sadistic punishment. And the punishment is meant to meet the pleasure or the other needs of the group. And four, the group fears being exposed, and so therefore they use mind control and secrecy to not only create fear among the victim or the victims but other group members so that no one will stray and go do any type of reporting and therefore the group can be legally kept safe. Now ritual abuse is different from abuse that happens ritualistically. So let me explain. Um, A mother may become heavily intoxicated so she's drinking every weekend or every Friday and then every Saturday when she has a hangover, she is physically abusing her children. So that's a ritual that happens every Saturday and it happens consistently, or you may have an employer who every time he sees a particular employee inside of the storage closet, then he or she is sexually harassing that employee and that happens every time. So because these acts happen consistently It is therefore considered a ritual or a routine, but it's not part of a formal ritual. For example, if you, like me, have your tea lattes in the morning every morning, that may be part of your ritual. If you read the newspaper every morning or you use the bathroom and read the newspaper at the same time, that's part of your ritual. But it's not a ritual abuse or ritualistic because it doesn't have the ideology attached to it. An ideology is a system or a set of ideas, beliefs, principles, or doctrines. So if you've ever heard of anyone saying, oh, they were indoctrinated, that's where it comes from. It's where a group of people are using their set of beliefs or their ideas, and they're using that to psychologically program someone else to then conform through their thinking and their behaviors to the overall expectations of the group and then the group will then indoctrinate their ideology by molding that person to accept the beliefs and when it comes to the ritual abuse they mold them psychologically or indoctrinate them to their abusive ideology so much so that the person will then accept the abuse without question and they will also accept the authority of the more dominant leader without the question. And it's ultimately this mind control or this psychological programming that is used to control the victims and other group members. And anyone who goes against the process of the indoctrination or anyone who then questions the group's motives or behaviors are then punished. They're kicked out of the group or never even allowed to enter the group. And this indoctrination might be off of an ideology that they created or that spiritual leader created on his own. However, you also have some forms of ritual abuse that are using religions or belief systems that already exist in our society. But what they do is they will then twist the words to benefit the needs of the group. For example, there are several abuse groups um, that teach Christianity Catholicism and other religions, but they then twist the words to then justify their actions. And they also do this to satisfy the interests or the pleasures of the group leader specifically, or maybe a particular section. They also will twist the truth about the law and legal proceedings. And they do this to make the victim fearful of leaving or exposing the group. They will blame the victim and they'll say that this is what you wanted, or you agreed to it. And they'll cause the victim to be so emotionally overwhelmed with a sense of fear of going to jail that they just never end up telling with ritual abuse. The group leader, as well as the group members, they have a very calculated and very systematic process to brainwash and control the victims. And they use so many different techniques. And so consistently use these techniques, that they make mind control of the person so effective that the person who is the victim doesn't even have a clear sense of reality and whatever they thought was real has now become distorted they no longer have an identity of themselves they are not able to think for themselves they also disown their own thoughts or beliefs so if they even have their own thought they think maybe that's not the right thought And even at a higher level, they have no longer an ability to recognize what is right from wrong or what is good from bad. And this is because they mix the messages and do an excellent level of gaslighting. Now, some of the ritual abuse and systematic mind control is often around the victim's natural, biological and psychological needs. This includes their eating, sleeping, breathing, sexuality, using the bathroom, emotions, their five senses, and even human bonding. The victims may be forced to take drugs or drink alcohol, and many of them are even forced to or manipulated into cutting off their relationships with loved ones, with family friends who are not also either in the group or also not an ally to the group. And if they do have important relationships within that group, then part of the ritual abuse may include them having to torture that loved one or if they had a pet or an animal that they had befriended as part of this um, bonding ritual experience, then they might even be forced to torture their animal or their pet. And the reason is they're trying to indoctrinate them to believe that torture and suffering is good and what you do when you love someone. The group might even indoctrinate the victim to accept that their bodies belong to the group or to the head leader and that having sex with this head leader or this spiritual authority is an honor. And it means that if you submit to this, it means that you have also been recognized as special and you have been chosen. They also, if they are engaging as part of their ritual into group sex, they will then label it as group therapy or group healing. And then when the person does try to get group therapy later on after they've been able to escape or get the interventions that they need in safety, then they are very anxious whenever they go into group therapy because they're thinking that this is going to be another form of abuse or another form of sexual exploitation. Now, many of the acts of ritual abuse often include sexual abuse, with the victims being forced to have sex with animals, other victims, with senior members of the group, or with strangers outside of the group, or even their own family members who are also in that group. And it is not uncommon to discover that many human trafficking victims have also been victims of ritual abuse, and that some of the cult members are the ones who traffic their own children the sexual abuse is more than the typical sexual abuse you would see in society which in itself is still horrible but with the ritual sexual abuse it's so sadistic and it often involves a higher level of torture or exploitation And it may involve anal, oral, vaginal penetration, even of extremely young children or infants. And in addition to the sadistic sexual abuse, there are three other types of abuse tactics that they use. So physical abuse can occur in the form of beatings, torture, cutting the person, solitary confinement, being tied up, forcing them to ingest drugs or making them drink blood, urine, or even eat feces. The emotional abuse involves trickery, deceit, emotional manipulation, mind control, as we've been saying, preventing them from having any freedom of thought, high levels of orchestrated group gaslighting, and also blaming the victim. And four, for spiritual abuse, it's when the group systematically deconstructs and they reverse what the, um, what the victim believes to be good or evil or right or wrong. And they do this twisting of what's right versus what's wrong so that they can make the person be a more easier, less resistant victim to what they're saying they must do as part of the abuse, because they're saying that although it feels bad and although it's very hurtful emotionally or physically, it's actually a good thing. So they use twisted ideology. They make up their own ideology, but they do this so that they can twist the victim's understanding of what is good or evil and therefore making them an easier victim and an easier prey. Now, there are several types of groups that engage in ritual abuse and although many of them are based in religious, satanic, or even pseudo-religious ideology, there are many groups who don't have any association with religion. This includes white supremacy groups, pedophile rings, human trafficking networks, and also groups mixed with high-profile leaders and celebrities. Ritual abuse also happens in family groups And when it does happen among the families, it's also across generations. And when they have this transgenerational ritual abuse, they often stick to gender-based ritualizing, such as socializing the young girls to be very submissive to rape and accepting of the rape as an honor and a wifely duty. And for the young boys, they socialize them to be highly sexually aggressive and force them to have sex with other children, even if it's one of their siblings. So when we mention the celebrities and the you know the pedophile rings and the white supremacy groups, these are just some of the groups that conduct ritual abuse. But the types of individuals in this group can be from every walk of life. So they can be from a rural area, an urban area, They're across income levels, across races, and in different um, careers or industries, et cetera. So because it can be so vast of a network and so intricated and organized for how the secrets are being kept, then it may not be known to the general public. But when you have a psychological trauma center or whenever you are able to help rescue human trafficking victims then it's a common theme and the themes are so common throughout the different states that you have to accept from a clinical or psychological perspective that this many incidents that are repeated using the scientific approach if it's repeatedly happening to a variety of people from a variety of circumstances socioeconomic statuses and race then if it's happening this often, then it's very plausible that these things are happening. It also makes it easier whenever you're able to find, of course, damaging materials such as photos or victims who are able to come out and expose real information such as pamphlets, booklets, videos, etc. But unfortunately, that does not always happen. And that's one of the reasons why we are definitely talking about ritual abuse today. Because undoubtedly, a very high incident of it happened this week surrounding or on Halloween. Now, in this conversation, it may seem like, oh, well, this is not even science. This is more of a conspiracy theory. This sounds like it's a movie. This is just too crazy. And that's the main reason why the majority of victims are not believed and it's because even when they try to escape, their, you know, stories do sound very extreme and very weird. And it doesn't help that whenever they do get help, whether it's from a psychiatric facility or the police, when they go to the psychiatric facility, then it's mistaken as a multiple personality disorder a schizophrenia or another type of delusional thought disorder because it's so absurd and the persons, remember the persons who they are accusing seem to be the very last people you would expect. And so whenever they have this happen, they are admitted and then they're discharged from the hospital. The groups that are engaging in the ritual abuse see this as another tool to manipulate and to control the victim. And that's because once that victim who was somehow able to get the strength to get help, because they were not believed and they were then checked into a um, psychiatric facility or even a psychiatric emergency room, once they are discharged, the group can now say for any future allegations that that person makes, oh, you can't believe that person. They already have a history of psychiatric diagnosis. They're not well or we're going to just forgive them and not take it personally. And that's what they're saying to the outside people who are aware of this accusation, and then it then serves to disqualify or minimize the very real trauma that has happening or that has happened because no one else was able to substantiate it. And if that victim goes to the police instead of the hospital, because the story seems like a crime, but then it becomes so extreme or so sadistic that it then also seems unreal that it makes it harder for the victim to be believed, especially if the victim says, well, no, I wasn't chained up and well, no, I wasn't in the basement. I just have a regular job. And so we have to understand that every victim of ritual abuse is not like some lifetime story where they are locked away in a basement and they've been abducted for years and hidden out of view in actuality it's the extreme uh, excellence in mind control tactics that they use that make it so that the victim doesn't have to be chained up doesn't have to have guards around them on the all the time because they have been so programmed to believe that they must submit that this is their duty or that they have no power to resist that they don't have to use those more aggressive forms of control because the mind has been controlled so much. So that even if the person lives on their own or is even in mental health therapy or counseling, they may not even disclose it as an issue to their therapist because they have been programmed to not see this as an issue. It's also because during the ritual abuse, because the abuse is so consistent and orchestrated, the group may use psychological programming that the person may not be consciously aware of, but they are subconsciously responding to. For example, they might use a certain song, sounds, smells, or even words or phrase that if they call the person or they just see this sign or this symbol, it can put the victim into a trance-like state Or if they use hallucinogenic drugs during the ritual so that the person forgot about what was happening, they can easily come get the person, abduct the person, take them to the ritual abuse location, drug them up, and then send them back on their way. And so when you have individuals coming to counseling or when someone may even say to you that, oh, well, I have blackouts or, oh, I woke up someplace and I didn't really know where I was. It may have been that they might have been the victim and have been given these drugs to suppress their memory so that the dissociation can continue, which is dissociating their mind from their body experiences and from the trauma of what is happening to their body. And so, again, it makes it easier to control the victim because the victim won't remember what actually happened during the ritual abuse. And I mentioned coming to abduct them. So not everyone is abducted, but there are cases, there are clients, I actually um, was working with someone last week and she told me about a client where she was coming to therapy each time and she would report that she thinks that she's being abused, but she wasn't really sure, but she thinks that people are chasing her, but she can't really remember And they kept seeing bruises on her and not really sure what was going on. And it wasn't until after she came into the residential program that they were recognizing that her phone was ringing at a certain time, playing the certain song, and then she's walking out the door. So the abduction may occur because they are using psychological programming. And all of this, again, does sound very far-fetched and science fictiony, but it does happen and it does happen unfortunately often to many victims in our country and in almost every state of the United States. With the victim usually being abused for so long and their view of reality or the truth being so distorted, they end up living and believing that suffering is a part of their life. So even if they recognize that this is hurtful, this is painful, this is traumatic, because their reality of good and bad has been so twisted, they come to accept the abuse and may voluntarily, even without any psychological cues, sounds, smells, signals, they may just go there themselves. And because they have been so brainwashed and appear to volunteer and do these or appear to be a willing participant, it makes it very difficult whenever you're trying to prosecute individuals who are indeed perpetrators of ritual abuse because then the other side will then say, well, she walked there or he walked there, he participated in it, he enjoyed it. So it does make it very hard to do and to prove unless you have a psychologist on the team. It's also why many victims are diagnosed as having dissociative identity disorder which used to be known as multiple personality disorders. It's also why they may say oh well it was psychosis but it was a drug-induced psychosis and therefore your drug addiction is the problem and not the psychosis. And so if they're going to the emergency room or a psychiatric treatment instead of seeing that the ritual abuse is the cause of the situation they're seeing the symptoms of these psychological manifestations of dissociation or blackouts as the cause rather than the symptom of the abuse. In other instances, the victim and their story might very well be believed, but because the group includes influential people in that community or in influential positions, or the abusers, again, are seeing very nice and sweet on the outside, Others will then believe and protect the reputation of the abusers more than the persons whom they are abusing or the victims. So in any situation, if anyone tells you a story and they are mentioning rituals or the mentioning abuse, then please listen to them. And that is the number one recommendation for today. But if you see anyone with any of the nine following symptoms, please believe them and help them get the help that they need. So one major symptom is regular periods of zoning out or dissociating, where they forget hours or days of their time, or even when they're with you, they're seeming to be aware of you and they're engaged in conversation or activities with you, but they lack awareness of the passing of time. Two, if they're having sudden experiences of intense fear, dread, or a strong physical sensation of hearing, smelling, tasting, or seeing something that isn't there. And this is more than, oh, I thought I heard a bell ring. This is a very intense reaction to thinking that they heard a bell ring. It's also number three, an intense panic or a panic attack when they do see, and you can also see, a certain symbol, color, or a location. And that's because these uh, symbols or objects create some sort of trigger and remind them subconsciously of a ritual abuse that they experienced. Four, having a very overwhelming or intense flashback of a time of abuse, but not being able to recall the details or being afraid to tell you the details. Five, having a preoccupation with death and suicidal thoughts. Six is addiction issues and seven is intimacy issues. And that's because although not every person that has intimacy or addiction challenges have been ritually abused, but it's because inability to cope without using drugs because they're trying to suppress the memories or the flashbacks of the ritual abuse or not being able to engage in emotional closeness, emotional or physical intimacy is because they have been taught that normal human intimacy is inaccurate, but this more intense, abusive and sadistic form of intimacy is what's honorable, just, godly, or what's going to be approved. So it may be hard for them to have normal human intimacy and sexual interactions. Eight, if they're always unable to make decisions for themselves or they experience a high level of anxiety when they are forced to make a decision for themselves. And then the last one, which is one of the more hallmark symbols is or symptoms, is not being able to tell right from wrong or abuse from love. And that's because they have been programmed psychologically to twist or reverse their own, their own morality or own recognition of what is healthy and what is unsafe or what is dangerous behaviors. So I definitely appreciate you all for listening today and even if you never meet a victim and no one even tells you a story about being a victim of ritual abuse, then what you can do to help prevent future ritual abuse victims is to vote against legislation that sexualizes children and adolescents or legislation that normalizes adult-child sexual relationships. And that's because many of these tactics of normalizing pedophilia or normalizing the oversexualization of children, even infants, is what many of the ritual abusers use to justify their sadistic acts against them. Well that ends our time today and I again thank you for listening and please as always remember to continue this conversation but remember to do so using science and love and if you to